put your Bibles there. Let's uh, open up to Colossians. All right. I've got God just dropping all this stuff. I don't know which to tell you where I start. Um, let's start with Colossians chapter 4. Colossians 4 2 says, Continue in prayer and be watchful with thanksgiving. While praying also for us that God will open to us a door of utterance to speak the mysteries of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may reveal it clearly as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, wisely using the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you should answer everyone. And if you go back to chapter 2 and verse 20. Therefore, if you died with Christ, the elementary principles of the world, why is if you are living in the world, do you subject yourself to legalistic rules? Don't touch, don't taste, don't handle. These all are the perish with use and align with the commandments and doctrines of men. These things have indeed a show of wisdom in self-imposed worship and humility and neglecting of the body, but are worthless against the indulgence of the flesh. Let me just drop into you quickly about We've got to get out of a natural mindset and into a God mindset. You know, the first words of Ephesians 4, chapter verse 2, continue in prayer. Prayer is a spiritual mindset, not a natural mindset. You know, we've had Flair and Andy telling us about little Abraham Zion. And the miracle that he was and being born into their family. And a miracle all the way through. At any time, they could have stopped that process through stepping into the natural and staying there. And they would have lost the blessing that that child is to their life. And as I've been sitting here this morning, God's really been just putting into me saying, we've got to get out of a, this is our earthly mindset and into a godly mindset about life. That we are no longer of this world. We have died with Christ. So your old self is dead. Your old way of living, your old way of doing things is over. And you need to step into We all need to step into this newness in Christ, this new life that is a powerful, abundant, life-changing, world-overcoming, situation-removing life. You know, as I've been sitting here, God's just been so going this, 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 this. You know, if I stood here and two dead guys appeared either side of me and we started chatting, what would you think? Some people would go, you can't do that. But Jesus did that. He's sitting on a mountain and Elijah and Moses turn up. And people go, well, Elijah didn't die. Moses did. Because I think it's Jude. Is it Jude that tells us that Satan tried to steal his body? So if his body was down here and he wasn't, that means he's dead, right? Yeah? You know, walking around without their body on a permanent basis. But Jesus is standing on this mountain 
chatting with two guys who are no longer earthbound. We would say they're dead. And that's what he did. And he's just going through on top of that, you know, when Jesus died, you know one of the first things that happened? 500 people came out of the graves, came back to life. And we go, whoa, hold on. Dead people walking around. Not zombies. But in the flesh, full of life. Telling about the goodness of God. You see, we've really got to break the mindsets we have that God can't handle our situation. We've got to break the mindset that says, oh, this is really difficult because... We, we look at situations and we go, oh, how is this ever going to happen? And we get down into the details and we think it's impossible. But let me tell you something, the devil is in the details. You want to know where Satan is? He's down in the details. And he wants to pull you. Dale talked about it a couple of weeks. Was it last week? You know, he... The devil's plan is to pull you out of heavenly places down to this fleshy thing. And he creates sayings like, oh, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Well, if that's the case, then Jesus was so heavenly minded, he must have been any earthly good. And yet you'd never say that about him, would you? That's religion talking. You see, the devil's plan is to pull us out of walking by faith down into how can this happen? And we try and work it out and we try and make it happen in the flesh and we plan it all through and nothing happens and we're going, where's God in all this? And we struggle and so we stop praying and we stop believing and we stop trusting God and we settle. But God never made you to settle. He made you to soar like an eagle. He says you're above and not beneath. That you're a winner, not a loser. A success and not a failure. That you're blessed as you go in and you're blessed as you come out. That's what God said about us. And that was in the old covenant. Apparently in the new covenant we have a better one. But I really sense that we spend so much time getting down into the detail and trying to pray. Almost like convincing God this is how he has to do it. Here's my situation, God. I need you to fix this. I need you to go and do this and this and this and this. And God's out there going, "Uh, not my plan. So how do we pray? Because I feel we need to continue praying. Prayer is, when you combine prayer with the word of God, nothing is impossible. Prayer, word, faith, patience. Smothered in love. Because you can't have faith, patience and love without Holy Spirit, see? You got that combination going, you can't fail. 
So how do we do this? Because I really feel like some of us are getting down into the ditches, that we're into trench warfare, and we're fighting hand-to-hand combat and, and going through all this and slogging through the mud and, and trying to, to get through and get through and get through. And God's going, I'm not in the trenches. I've already won. I've already given you the victory. Walk in the victory. See, prayer should not be a slog. I'm not saying there's not times you have to push in and push through. But you do that in the strength of Holy Spirit. We're doing too much of our Christian walk in our own strength. And, and we come in on a Sunday or a Monday and, and we maybe we ascend a little into heaven with God and then we come back down and walk the rest of the week down here. And that's not what God wants you to do. That's not his plan. He wants you to stay there because he's seated you in heavenly places. That you have authority there. That you can pray from there. That you can govern from there. That you can speak from that place. But we're jumping up and down like yo-yos. So how do you stop that? First off, what you see with your natural eyes you can't trust. What you see with your spiritual eyes, you can trust if you're in Christ. And we have to learn to see through spiritual eyes. How do we do that? You've got to be reading the Word of God. You've got to be putting in the Word of God because as you put in the Word of God and put in the Word of God, you start to see situations as God sees them. And He'll start to bring revelation to you through His Word. He'll start to release dreams and visions because that's what he said in his word he'd do. You need to step out of the situation and into the presence of God and get his perspective on everything you're facing. Whatever struggle you're going through, whether it's relationships, whether it's finances, whether it's healing, whether it's work situations or whatever it is, we need to get out of the trenches and into the high place with him. That's why he seated us in heavenly places with him. Because that's where he is and that's where he governs from. And he can see everything. That's why when they do things like depression studies, it's interesting. People who live up on mountains are less depressed than people who live at the bottom of the mountain. Do you know that? Why is that? Because when you're on top, you can see everything. Why, when there's a military battle, they go for the high ground. Why? Because you can see everything. It's easier to fire down than it is to fire up. So learn, as he says here, continue in prayer and be watchful with with thanksgiving. If you want to get out of the low place into the high place, thanks and praise. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. If you're struggling and going, oh, and I just can't see the way through this, and oh, oh, oh," and you're grinding, get out of the grind and just start to thank God. You may go, but I can't thank God I've got this situation. Well, find something to thank him for. 
Because it's an attitude, thankfulness. It's not something you feel. It's something you choose to do. The Bible describes it as a sacrifice of praise. That's when I don't really feel like thanking God. It looks like I've got nothing to thank God for. Find something to thank Him for and focus in on that. When you start to focus in on the good, you start to see things from God's perspective and you start to take a higher view over your situation. So start with thankfulness. Start acknowledging God for who He is. Start to praise Him for what He has done in your life, for the good things in your life, and get up out of the trench into the higher ground. Then you can start to pray. And when you come to pray to God, you need to pray His Word. I find people... For some reason, people struggle in getting that fact, and I don't know why. The amount of times I've talked to people, I'm going, you know, if you believe in God for something, you need to stand on his word, not on just what you want. You need to go to God and say, God, I need you to speak to me out of, my, out of your word into my situation. If you need healing, then, you know, God, I speak out of your word. What are you saying about healing? Give me a verse from here that is a revelation to my spirit that I can stand on and stand on and believe that you'll do it. If you need a financial breakthrough, ask God for a word and stand on it. If you need something, a relationship fix, whatever it is, work situation, it doesn't matter. God has a word you can stand on. And it may not make sense to you, but you'll be reading something. It'll go off inside you and you go, that's the word. I don't understand how it relates to this, but that's the word. And you stand on that word. And it's got to be out of the Bible. I keep talking to people and they go, oh, yeah, I've got this really nice saying that's hanging on my wall. And one person came to me with about 20 of them. And none of them was out of the Bible. It's like, that's nice, but it's not the word of God. Because it's the word of God that is powerful. Not the latest motivational speaker. All their stuff is just a copy of what the Bible is anyway. It is the word of God that is powerful. It's like a double-edged sword, it says. You get a double-edged sword, it cuts through everything. So get the word of God. And then you pray the word of God over your situation. You know, if you say, yeah, you've got a healing situation, you're not feeling well, there's something in your body that's not good, you know, you sit there and go, oh God, I pray this and I pray this. You just pray the word of God. You know, First Peter 2.24 might be the verse God gives you. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. So I thank you, Lord, that your word says that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. So I pray that over my body now, that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. And the pain flares up. What do you do? Oh God, take away the pain. No. You speak the word of God. God, I speak your word over my body that by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. Don't tell him how to fix your body. Speak the word of God. You do the same over your financial situation or over a relationship or whatever the issue is. Don't tell God how to fix it. You know, God, I really need to win lotto tonight so that then all my financial situations are fixed and, and I'm through this. 
You know, I love the way we laugh at that, but what if, you know, who says God can't help you in life? Is not the wealth of the wicked laid up for the just? I'm not ruling it out. I'll open that door anytime. That's what God wants to do. But see, we do this. We tell God how we want to do it. Oh God, I just need someone to walk in and hand me a $100,000 check and then everything will be fine. You don't do that. You go to God and say, God, what from your word do you want to apply to my financial situation? It could be as simple as Philippians where he says, you know, my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It could be something totally different and obscure. You don't even think, understand how it applies. It doesn't matter. Just Google it. What does God say about? All right? But I encourage you, don't just be a Bible reader when things are going bad. You have to do it when it's going well because you've got to keep building your faith and building your faith. So when the trouble comes, you're ready. Yeah, you don't throw... I mean, I told you the story a few weeks ago. We saw you know, two guys boxing. And they're both in the super heavyweight condition, um, category. And the first guy walks in and he was just this big ball of fat. There was no other way to describe it. He was bits of fat hanging out everywhere, you know, with his little shorts on. <laughs> and uh, I mean, Dale and I read as we sort of looked at each other and went, this is going to be interesting. You know, expecting the next guy to walk in being a ball of fat because you have to be over a certain weight to be in the super heavyweight category. The next guy walks in, same height, everything else, and he was just a tone-ripped ball of muscle. And you knew right then who was going to win. No one had thrown a punch, nothing had happened, but you knew that the guy who was just a walking ball of muscle, same height, was going to win. Why? Because he'd prepared himself. He'd done the work. He'd strengthened his body ready for the fight. And guess what? He won easily. They both knew the fight was coming. One had prepared himself. The other one had indulged in his meat pies, which when he came out of the ring, he was doing his, you know, with a half an hour coming out. He's, Standing up behind me with his pie and his chips and feeding his face, and I'm going, preparing for the next fight. Yep. Because <laughs> he thought, I'm big and heavy, how can they knock me down? The other guy was big and heavy and muscle and prepared. He'd done the work, he'd trained. This is why we need to be reading the Bible all the time. You may go, but I'm reading and it's dry. Get over it. Someone said to me, but I don't remember what I read. I said, what did you eat last week on Wednesday? What did you have for dinner? I said, I have no idea. I said, did it help your body though? Probably. You see, we eat every day because it nourishes our body, right? Sometimes we eat the same sort of meals. You, know, you sort of get in a habit around your family or your household. To, you sort of get you know, things you're used to preparing, Right? And it nourishes your body. And you may not remember much of it, but it does its work. It's the same with the Word of God. As you eat it, as you take it in, it nourishes your body and builds your faith that when the time comes, you can draw on that. 
Just like when you go through the day, you can draw on the food you've eaten as energy to help you do what you have to do. But if you're not putting the Word of God in, when the trouble comes, the difficult situation comes, you've got nothing left to take on the fight. Same as if you hadn't eaten for a week and then someone says, okay, let's go for a 10K run. You're not going to last because you've got nothing left to draw on for the fight. You see, it's great to step into heavenly places, but if you're not nourishing your body and preparing yourself based on the Word of God, everything's got to be based on the Word of God. You may have dreams and visions and amazing revelations, but if they don't line up with the Word of God, then they're a waste of time. And I'm finding God speaking to me more and more through my dreams. But I go, make sure, do they line up with the Word of God? Do they line up with what He's saying in there? And then I can act on them. You are a powerful individual, but I think we spend too much time stepping up for a couple of days into heaven and the rest of the week walking down here on earth. And God is calling us up. He's calling us up. He's saying, be a feeder on the Word of God. Be a person of prayer, but not from down in the trenches, from up here. So step into my courts with thanksgiving and praise. Come up into a higher place and then pray the word of God I've given you in that place. And as you start to do that, he's going to start to reveal to you courts in heaven and areas in heaven where he's calling you to intercede and make a difference. You see, we're so caught up in our little world because we're down here fighting in the trenches and we can't see any further than the wall in front of us. Whereas he's called us to be in government, to be rulers and authority. We are the ecclesia, the called out ones to govern. And we're down in the trenches. We've called out of the trenches into heavenly places to govern. But we're not governing outside of our own little world because we keep coming down into the trench. If you've got issues in the trench, then deal with the issue. You've got stuff in your past, then deal with your stuff from the past. Don't ignore it. Deal with it. Don't run from it. Deal with it. Oh, but it's painful. It's more painful to keep staying in it. I'll tell you that much. Deal with it. Face up with it. Have an honest conversation with yourself. And an honest conversation with God. And deal with your stuff. And step out of that through praise and thanksgiving into the courts of heaven. Be a reader of the Word of God. Be a speaker of the Word of God. Be a prayer of the Word of God. Don't tell God how to do it. Tell God what His Word says. God, you said you'd supply all my needs according to riches and glory in Christ Jesus, so I'm holding you to your Word. And I choose to be a tither and a giver. He'll come back to you, I'm telling you, if you do this. He'll come back to you and He'll push you. Because God wants to know you're serious. You see, you can't fool God. I think too often we try that. I'll do this for a little bit and then when I get through, it'll be okay. God's not stupid. He's been around a long time. In fact, He's been around before time. He knows the motives of your heart. And He wants you to be a person in government. We've got to see ourselves bigger and stronger than what we think we are. Because you're a child of the Most High God. 
We need to think bigger than our little world and our little issues and our little problems. And if we can't even handle those, how can we govern in heavenly places? We're supposed to be governing over this city, governing over this state, governing over this nation. That's our job. And we're caught in the trenches, not even governing our own situations. A lot of it's just through laziness. Be a person who is in the word of God. Day in, day out. Day and night, David said. I was reading your word. In the morning and in the evening. Even as five minutes. Take that five minutes to read the word of God. Whatever the situation is, take it to God and say, God, show me from your word. Get old Mr. Google going. Google's going to listen on to you and everything else you're doing, then he'll listen to the word of God, hey? Facebook is eavesdropping, then they can eavesdrop on the word of God. Get that into their data. Be a reader of the Word of God. Be a speaker of the Word of God. Pray the Word of God. Worship the Word of God. And get out of the trench and into heavenly places. And stop trying to tell God how to do it and tell Him what His Word says. That's how you pray. And deal with your stuff. You say, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that. Here's a key. What's the opposite of what you're struggling with? That's what you focus on. See, if you've got, say, a problem with anger, the way you overcome anger is focusing on peace. I'm a carrier of peace. Maybe find out why you're angry all the time. Might be the thing to do. And deal with that. But say, I'm a person of peace. Not... I don't get angry, I don't get angry, I don't get angry, I don't get angry. I'm so angry, I'm angry. Because you focus on anger, you're going to be angry, right? I'm a person of peace. I walk in peace, I walk in love, I walk in self-control. And let that change you. If you fall over, get back up. Because the word of God is powerful in every situation. And it's time we stopped just fighting our own little world and stepped into what God has for us. There's a world out there going to hell and we're supposed to be the light and the salt. Carrying the mysteries of the gospel out to them that they may know Jesus. And we're not doing it because we're caught in our own little world and focused on ourselves and our own little issues. It's time to get out of the trenches, to deal with our stuff, to face up to our past, to face up to our issues and hand them over to God and let him heal us. And to start stepping into heavenly places every single day, to being a people of the word that pray the word and trusting God that his word is true and he can handle that and then getting on with what he has called us to do. Rather than focusing on, here's our problem, leave it with God, let him handle it. Stop taking it back and saying, God, what would you have me to do? And then doing what he's asking us to do. Yeah? Are we good? It's in the word. Just telling you what it says in there. And then you can start having conversations with dead people. 
You will. Heavenly hosts will start appearing to you. The angels are going to start appearing to you. You can start talking to angels. Don't worship them. They'll tell you not to. But you can have conversations with angels and they'll show you. You'll get revelation. You'll start seeing things you never thought possible. He's going to start to release dreams and visions through you because he said he'd do that. You'll start seeing amazing things. You think, wow, this is awesome because you're not caught down in in your little world. You're caught up into his. Yeah? That's where God wants you to be. Let's do that. All right, let's pray. We don't to do just pray in tongues, see? God's really saying that. There's so many people here that God's given you tongues and you're not using it and you think, oh, I don't have it anymore. He doesn't take back what he gives. If he's giving it to you, you need to use it. You've got the power of God there. And you're going, oh, I'm too embarrassed. What if I'm wrong? What if, it's, what if it's not right? What if it sounds funny? And the word of God to you is get over yourself. You're dead anyway. It doesn't matter. You're dead. It's time you came alive in the spirit of God. You spoke. Because it's tongues, you know, blah, 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 that thing in the mouth there that waggles around. Tongues. You don't have to understand, you just need to speak it. You need to release that and let that out of your life, in your personal prayer life as well as your corporate prayer life. We need to be a people of prayer. When we come together, we should be governing together in prayer, not dragging ourselves in here with all our issues and situations. And we're not using the tools and the weapons he's given us. God is saying to you, use your word, use your praise, and use your tongue in the name of Jesus. Because his word is powerful. When you praise and give thanks, it is powerful. And when you speak in tongues, you release Holy Spirit to work through you rather than binding up and constricting him working in you. Um, I'm going to share something. So I shared it last week a little bit, but I'll just, evalu- I'll just go again, because sometimes you've got to hear something more than once for it to sink in. Um, so when I was... Um, I had six weeks off of doing nothing, pretty much. And it was six weeks of Jesus time. That was really good. And I can see how he used it. Um, and he show, was showing me how I was saying, God, I want to see the future, like all this stuff's going on. I want to be able to see, so I you know, know what's going on. So I have just that like, confidence that regardless, eventually it will be okay. And he says, what do you think I've been doing? Like, <laughs> why are you not taking what you're seeing in the spirit as the future? Because that's exactly what's, what it is. And after he told me that a few times, I finally got it. And he really showed me how... Um, because when we go into heaven and you make us... Because I was saying, God, like, I want to be a person that you know, walks in the Spirit and you know, whatever I see in the Spirit, I go by that no matter what I see. And so he gave me opportunities to use that. And I was fighting with him about that. And he's like, this is what you asked for. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did too. All right, let's go with it. So he showed me that what we see on earth is a false reality. And when you engage your senses to heaven, that is the true reality of what's happening, regardless of what you see on earth. 
And you have to really get in the word about that because it says it so many times. And it's not just reading it and going, that was really nice to read and going with the day. It's literally saying, even just like one verse, right? I wouldn't read like whole chapters. I'd get one verse and I'd say, what does that mean? I'd dwell on that for like days. And then I would finally understand. And then once you have that confidence that what God has shown you in the spirit and what you've seen in heaven and when it's confirmed by the people as well, then you have that confidence that regardless of what's happening, regardless of what anyone says to you, regardless of what you see, you have that confidence inside you that's like, that's the truth. And eventually that will come to pass. And that's what happens when you speak things out. That's the importance of speaking things out as well. Um, and even when things hit you that are the opposite of what you've seen, you go, mm-mm, I have that confidence that what God has shown me in the spirit is actually truth. And it's liberating. And it's, it's a real joy on it. And when things are happening that are bad, you just get that joy. Like, it's okay. God's got this. Isn't it? this is awesome. And, um, you know, since then, I've been taken into, like, trances. I've been, like, driving and just seeing stuff. And, like, I was driving the other day, driving home. And I was like, wow, I'm not even in the car. And I was seeing stuff. And I was like, this is so crazy. And it's the point where now heaven is like this. I don't have to sit here and go, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. I literally am like, oh, I'm seeing things. All right, I'm back out. And you have to really get that, get that truth and that confidence. It's that confidence that regardless of what is happening on earth, that God's good and he doesn't lie. He's not a liar. His word is not lies and it's not old. It's for right now. And um, yes, yeah, standing on that. I think... Um like as Shara was talking, I was just thinking about how, uh, like childlike wonder. And when you're travelling, um, something goes wrong or you miss a train or like you lose your luggage or maybe you even lose your wallet, you know, like sometimes like bad things can happen. But there's this sort of excitement when you're, you know, out of the normal bounds of things and you're like, oh, what will happen? You know, this is an exciting opportunity for God to do something cool Um, and or even just you know oh I'm lost oh fun like but in in life in the normal you know like routines of life it's like you go to tag on your smart rider and there's no money and it's like oh my gosh this day is so bad and you it just goes all downhill like but seeing that opportunity that childlike wonder for adventure and for even when those things, it is like legitimately bad stuff, it isn't the truth. And A, you know, step up into that higher reality and believe that God will weave that in to create something better. Yeah. Cool. So um, most of you guys probably know this story, but with both our girls... I ha- we had to do fertility treatment to have them. I had no cycle at all. So with no cycle, there's no chance of a baby. Um, and with Ruby, I had to have double the amount of fertility drugs. I had to inject myself in the stomach. I'd have daily blood tests. It was brutal. It cost thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, and then I had the most horrific pregnancy with Ruby. I um, vomited up until 28 weeks. Couldn't keep down water. Like I was in, in and out of hospital, hooked up to a drip. Um, it was brutal. Um, and my obstetrician told me that um, doing fertility treatment was the only way that I could have a baby and that 
um, I would have hyperemesis, which is the um, really bad morning sickness where you um, end up in hospital. I'd have that every time and it would get worse. Um, so I was like, I, I'm, there's no way we can have another baby. I can't go through fertility treatment again. Like, it's so much money and it's so, um, it's just crap. And I felt so bad about myself. I always felt like a failure. Um, and I always had a desire in my heart. I said to Andy, if I ever, you know, got a cycle again, I'd really want another baby. But it wasn't looking like it was going to happen, so I said, no babies. Um, and then God started speaking to me and um, telling me that he wanted me to have another baby. Um, and I ra- randomly got my cycle back. Um, and so it was actually then possible. And he's like, you're going to have another baby. Um, and it's going to be a boy. And I want you to call him Abraham Zion. Um, and the reason I want you to call him Abraham Zion is because you, you and your family, so my, my parents and my siblings and everything like that, you've always lived by fear. Fear has trapped your family. And the devil has run rampant in your lives and you've believed him over believing me. So I want to make you to make a statement and I want to make a statement through you that you um, live by faith, that what I say is true, um, that, you know, I have authority over your, over your lives and that you're going to break that curse of fear, um, not only of yourselves, but by following what I say to you, you're going to break it over your future generations, over your children and everything like that. And you're going to have a wonderful pregnancy. Um, and I'd also been told um, with Ruby, I really struggled to get her out. And she was three kilos. And they said, look, you can't have another baby naturally bigger than her. Like, you just can't do it. And he's like, and you're going to have it naturally again. Like, and it's going to be fine. You're going to get that on your own. You're not going to need a Caesar. You're going to do it naturally again. And I was like, no, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a little bit too scary. It sounds really cool and everything. But... Um, that's just too scary and I, and I can't do it. Um, and he just kept going. He kept hammering me. He kept showing me this baby and speaking it over me. Um, and I didn't tell anyone. I just told Andy and I kept saying, man, he keeps hammering me with this. But I keep, it's okay. I keep telling him no. I keep, tell, <laughs> keep telling him I'm not going to do it. Um, and then um, we were at church one day and I, as soon as I walked in the door, I just kept getting hit. Like, I want you to have a baby. I want you to have a baby. I want you to have a baby. Have a baby, Fleur. Have a baby. <laughs> it's all going to be good. Have a baby. Um, and then after the service, I said to Andy, like, I just really keep... And during the service, Dale said, oh, you know, um, God's telling me that there's going to be, like, babies and marriages and stuff. And after it finished, I was like, Andy, I think, he, I think we're going to be the ones to have the baby. And, and then um, randomly, Dale came up to me and she basically um, said everything that God said to me about the baby. And... Um, yeah, the, like the reasons why we're going to have it and all that kind of stuff. He'd told her and she said it to me. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, because I was, yeah, sign and a wonder. Because um, I wasn't believing, trusting in myself that I was hearing the right thing. I was like, maybe this is just, I'm just talking to myself. Um, so he confirmed because he knew that I needed that. And then, yep, um, we fell pregnant with Abe naturally. Um, and I did... Um, before I was even four weeks, I started vomiting hardcore, like hardcore, the worst, worse than Ruby. And I was just like, nah, this isn't how it's meant to be. So I don't know if you guys remember the, um, when um, Justin Abraham come, I rocked up that night service in like trackies and like slippers with a bucket. And you may have noticed I snuck out the front room and I was lying on the couch spewing. Um, that was because I was pregnant with Abe. <laughs> 
Um, but I kept hitting the word, hitting the word, hitting the word. No, this isn't. God told me this isn't going to be like this. It isn't going to be like it. And then at nine weeks, um, I listened to a sermon from Charlie Shamp, actually. And it was about guerrilla warfare. And about um, at the end, he said a prayer and he said, you know, God's spoken some things to people, but um, the devil's coming and is attacking you and he's robbing that from you. And I want to, like, cut it off. Like, and so um, I listened to that service and he said that prayer. And from that moment on, I never vomited ever again. Um, and it, like, completely stopped. And I had the most wonderful pregnancy. Um, and then. I went into labour naturally with him. He was my biggest baby by far. Um, I pushed him out in five minutes naturally. um, And the obstetrician was like, oh, my gosh. Like, how did you do... What the heck? How how did you do this? Um, Yeah, so what Dale said before about Abraham, like, the story, it's it's so true. Like, what God says is true. And if you speak something over your life, take hold of it, man. It's like... It's awesome and I'm so glad now like if I didn't listen to God um, and let those fears override, like keep going and not listen to him and listen to the devil instead of him, mate, I would have missed out big time because it's just been so amazing with him. We just have this joy and this, it's been so easy um, having him in our family that I think, man, I we could have missed out on this and it would have sucked. So, yeah, God is good. So let's um, dedicate him, hey? Now, there's nothing... Yeah, there is, actually, but it doesn't matter. There's nothing religious, how's that, about a baby dedication. It doesn't magically get the baby saved and that's it, they're good. What a dedication is, is about Fleur and Andy bringing Abraham and saying, we want to raise Abraham... To know God. We want to raise him to walk with God, to be in relationship with God. We're going to do everything we can to ensure that he is a part of God's family. And they're actually asking us to stand with them and to help them raise their children that way. Because we're a family, right? We're the family of God, right? And God has no grandchildren. Do you know that? He only has children. So we all have to make that decision to say, I want Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. I want him in my life. I want him to take away my sin, my guilt, my shame. I want to walk with him and make him the Lord and give him leadership of my life. Right? And a part of raising a child is in that way is saying that when they get to an age where they can make that decision, we want them to make that decision. And that's what a dedication is all about. It's about saying we want this child to grow up in God's house knowing God's way, that when the time comes, they can make that decision for themselves and walk with him. Yeah? Such enthusiasm, I could fall over. (laughs) So let me read what we have here. It says, Today Andy and Fleur, as parents, have brought their son, Abraham Zion. Love that name. So the church may not only share with them in their joy, but also in their act of dedication to God. A little child is God's greatest gift to parents. And it's appropriate they should recognise this gift and dedicate the child to the care and the protection of God. It's also appropriate they should dedicate themselves to responsible Christian parenthood. Mark 10.13 says, Some people brought children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. The disciples scolded the people. But when Jesus noticed this, he was angry and said to the disciples, 
Let the children come to me and don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Therefore, Jesus received and blessed those children who were brought to him many years ago. And today, through his church, he welcomes children as they are brought in thanksgiving by their parents. Today, we all affirm that this child Abraham is precious in the sight of God and will witness the undertaking of his parents as they dedicate themselves to the task of responsible Christian parenthood. So, Andy and Fleur, your parents, your parents, your presence, we'll try that. Your presence here today implies three things that you realize the privilege and responsibility that is yours and that God has given Abraham into your care. That you're willing to bring this child up in such a way that in time he'll accept for himself the joy, fulfillment and responsibility which are the experience of a member of the family of God. And that you're willing to accept the responsibility for his Christian training. I therefore ask you to make your affirmation to God. Do you, God, helping you undertake to keep Abraham all the love and care, understanding that he will need throughout his life? You undertake to sacrifice yourself for his welfare. In your life and in your home, you'll endeavour to create an atmosphere of love where Christian principles are upheld. A Christian example so that in due time your child will grow into the knowledge and love of God and into the full and complete life that God intends for him. And when the time is right, will you encourage him to seek a personal faith in Jesus Christ and to enter actively into his church? Will you pray for him constantly? Will you pray for yourselves as his parents? Cool. All right. To each of us who are part of this family, do you promise to do all that's within your power separately and together through the fellowship and ministry of the church, family and friends to help this child grow and mature in his knowledge and experience of the love of God? Cool. God heard you. He heard you. All right. I'm going to ask Dale to pray over them. All right, let's reach out our hands and we're going to pray for these guys and bless little Abraham Zion. Lord, we thank you for this precious gift of Abraham. We just um, thank you for the supernatural work that you have done in Fleur and Andy's life to cause him to be here. And we just thank you that he's a gift straight from heaven. And um, we just receive him in our hearts and in our family. And uh, Holy Spirit, I pray even now that you would rest upon him, that he would know your manifest presence. And Lord, that he would know your voice even now, that he would know the voice of Jesus, that he would see dreams and visions. Lord, that he would walk in supernatural strength. Lord, that he would know the height and length and depth and width of your love and that he would be complete in that love. Lord, that through your mighty power at work within him, Lord, that he would do exceedingly above and beyond anything that Fleur and Andy even think is possible. And Lord, that he would just run the race, Lord, that you have set before him. Lord, you um, planned things for us even before we were being knitted together in our mother's wombs. And I know that you have awesome plans for Abraham's iron. And we just bless him with that. We declare that he would be a mighty man for you, that he would walk in supernatural power, that he would be a man of faith just as his namesake is, Lord, that he would share his story and his, his um, conception and birth with many, Lord, but that he would have his own stories to tell of your um, majestic power in his life. Lord, I pray that you would go before him, that you set your angels around him and around this whole family, and we bless him in the name of Jesus with every good thing. 
In Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen. Amen.